Hi, and welcome to Total Rewind, a Filmmaker's Compass podcast where we discuss movies from 30 years or older and see if they still hold up. I am D-Man, joined by CP. Very excited for our episode. As always, how you doing? Are you ever not excited to be talking about movies though, D-Man? You know, it's hard for me to not find the energy to just discuss any movie at all. I don't care if we're talking about kids movie or Citizen King, whatever it is. It gets me amped up because there's so much art and effort that goes into every movie that I can't help but want to talk about it. That's the reason why I think, honestly, if little side note right here, that's why we watch movies with other people is because we want to talk about it afterwards. If there's anything that this podcast does, it's allow us to talk about these movies that we've enjoyed and got a chance to watch with you. I'm really excited. Today's Total Rewind, we're going to be talking about Animal House. So I'm going to throw it over to you. Tell us a little bit about Animal House, kind of where we're going with this episode. Animal House is the infamous 1978 American comedy from John Landis, starring a number of amazing comedians, first and foremost of which is John Belushi. It was written by Harold Ramis. Ghostbusters. Awesome note is Ivan Reitman was one of the producers on the film. Also Also Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters. Yeah. What's funny is when you look at the stable of actors, producers, directors, everybody involved in the film, they actually collaborated a ton throughout the rest of, I think, the 80s, maybe even the early 90s. And then they all kind of separated. When you think about where all these people come from, but they were all connected. It's pretty crazy to see them all kind of converge on what is a classic comedy film, actually kind of enjoy their work in the beginning. Yeah. Some of their stuff, some of their best stuff later, you know, Groundhog's Day, Ghostbusters, some of those movies, they all came out a little bit later. I think this is the first film kind of coming out of the National Lampoon brand, which all of these people, including John Hughes, were involved with and so many influential comedy geniuses came out of this workshop. So it's it's cool watching the film and seeing the people who were involved so early on. Even talking about John Belushi, I mean, I I would say Animal House, after standing the test of time, is probably his most popular film. Classic Belushi classic obviously blues brothers we know him for that they had a you know i think they had a blues brothers show at universal at one point that legacy had kind of carried on but i'd say in the last maybe 10 20 years the blues brothers has kind of faded from our consciousness Mm -hmm. but animal house has not that's one of the reasons why i'm really pumped to talk about this because it's a movie that as old as it is i think we're looking at almost 45 years now it's still around to that end it's worthy of being on total rewind if you want to go ahead and kind of preface we had talked about this (laughs) in a pre-production meeting this is we kind of wanted yeah we wanted to address a little bit about the film and how it's aged this movie has not aged well audience if you have not seen it or you've not seen it in a while you'll be a little shocked how much of the comedy really does not hold up based on our modern standards of what's funny and what's acceptable there's sexual assault there are jokes involving rape there is a scene involving rape perceived rape jokes that are based in racism and homophobia those things modern audiences aren't really going to have a taste for and i guess the way that people in the 70s did? Yeah, it's kind of funny in the sense that when you look back, some of the jokes, it's almost ironic that they were so comfortable to tell them because you knew they would get a laugh in that time. Mm -hmm. Now, yeah, like you said, we're just in a different era. We find a lot of those things offensive rather than funny. And that's where the movie kind of falls is those jokes are a product of their time. They played well to the intended audience at that time. As we've grown, as we've matured as a culture, generally speaking, those jokes have not aged well and we no longer find them necessarily funny. And I think one of the biggest areas of contrast here is when we look at something 
like Blazing Saddles, which we looked at a few weeks ago. Blazing right. Saddles is through and through a satire. And you understand that there's a lot of, of greater narrative going on that Mel Brooks and these storytellers are talking about life in the 70s, race relations. There's a very high level conversation going on. And there's definitely elements of satire in Animal House, right? Vietnam War, the Nixon presidency, referencing issues at Kent State. But it doesn't have the overarching sense of satire that the whole film's wrapped up in. So those jokes really stick out as relics of the past. Yeah, the jokes play as they're lowbrow jokes. They're done for a laugh. And there's not necessarily an intention behind those jokes to reveal or be insightful in some sort of unique way with the audience, right? It's not a dialogue. You're like, no, it's played for laughs. And it's at someone's expense. And that's kind of how they fall. That's why they don't age well. It, there's not this kind of like thoughtful look at culture on campus, homophobia or rape. It's, it's not self-aware to that degree where we're like, hey, they're clearly trying to point out something. Mm -hmm. And to that end, it's just played for a laugh and they haven't aged well. If we push that aside and just let's look at the cultural impact of this movie. Because okay. it's definitely there. This is a movie that, well, most people are aware of and the reference to it still persists to this day. Yeah, and what blows me away is when you think of Animal House, it's hard not to think of Greek culture, fraternities, sororities, but also college life. I feel like the movie has endured because every year there's a new crop of people <laughs> that are going to college, that are joining fraternities, joining sororities. It's hard not to want to indulge a little bit and have fun and look back at what past generations had a good time doing. Animal House is one of those kind of I think, you know, another good example. So I'm from South Bend, Indiana. If you go to Notre Dame, how can you not watch Rudy? It's like, <laughs> you have to do it. You have like an obligation by going to Notre Dame to watch Rudy. Like that's just, you got to do it. Animal House is one of those films where there's a lot of college flicks, you know, Van Wilder, Old School, which is borderline. It's not a remake, but it's definitely inspired by Animal House. There's these college flicks that it's like, you kind of, you got to watch them if you go to college. You just, how can you not? In terms of cultural relevance, the movie will endure past this podcast episode. I mean, it's going to be around. I wanted to ask you something. When it comes to Greek life, what do you think the effect of Animal House was on like Greek life? When we were in college, in undergrad, Animal House was very much the perfect example of what not to do in a <laughs> And the universities, the national, you know, chapters were very clear, like, this is not what we're about. We are, we are constantly fighting against this idea that this is what fraternities are. I mean, obviously we weren't in college in, in the early 80s, but I would imagine in some ways after this film came out, that may have shifted sure. Greek culture into this is what we aspire to be. Just this complete recklessness and overindulgence. People probably take inspiration from the movie and then they take it to the next level in real life. We've heard the stories which are tragic to that end of pledges that were forced to do way too much. And there's actually been pledges over the years that have passed away. I mean, truly tragic scenarios just looking at Animal House and the, nothing of the sort happens in that movie. You know, it's funny. Like, it's a good time. It's just hard not to see the influence. Everybody references Animal House. I bet even when you guys talked about it in Greek life, it was like the Animal House effect. Yeah. You know, if you are going Greek and you tell your friends or your family you're going Greek, the first question is like Animal House. When you are holding rush events, you always have pledges come in or 
potential pledges coming in, talking about, is this going to be like Animal House? To that effect, a lot of the major changes that we've had in recent years, the zero tolerance for hazing, the way that we rethink our approach to Greek life, pledge process in general, I think is a direct result. I think that in and of itself is Animal House's lasting legacy, but there is also the opportunity to mention, if I had to ask my dad, or maybe even your dad, uh, what one of their favorite comedies are, Animal House might come up. Oh, I think absolutely. Absolutely. Something else to make note of is that this makes, generally, when you look at kind of comedy lists, how people perceive the film, not necessarily in the terms of college and a Greek life, just as a movie. It's a lot of people's favorite comedy. Case in point, right? This movie is listed on a number of premier lists of best comedies, AFI, Bravos. I know it was inducted into the Library of Congress as a film which is significant, culturally relevant. So you're absolutely right. Other than that, there are a couple of lines in the film, which I think still hang around in our lexicon today, like double secret probation. Or may I have Uh, another, sir? You know, I'm a zit. Yeah. Like those things have stuck with us and they're not necessarily over. Obviously something else, if you go to any college campus, there's always a toga party. And I'm not saying Animal House invented the toga party. They did not, but they popularized it to (laughs) another level. Those type of elements, I mean, it has such a lasting legacy as a movie and its influence on college and and kind of our culture. If I had to give the film out of all the things we're going to talk about today, culture is where this movie stands tall. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. The influence it's had is just crazy. You know, normally we talk about effects, but we'll talk a little, we'll talk about the soundtrack right now. We'll talk about some of the jokes, some of the production values of the film as a movie and not necessarily getting into those other elements. What do you think, what, what really stands out to you? Like, is there a sequence where you're like, wow, that was actually really cool. They're doing something unique here. What stands out? I still, in my mind, I think one of the smartest things that they did from a comedy perspective There's a lot of scenes where they just let John Belushi own the scene, own the space. One of the best examples of that is, I think about the one where he's at the lunch line and he's stuffing all the food in his mouth and on the plate. And it's a hilarious scene. And the reason why that works is because the director said, hey, this is Belushi. We're just going to let him take this to the extreme, be totally (laughs) Belushi on it, shove more food in his mouth than is humanly possible. And we're just going to track him and go with it. And it's just going to seem never ending. As you watch <laughs> that sequence, it still holds up. And I think it is is hilarious. It was because they said, we're just going to stay with him. Something that stands out is the cinematography is kind of fairly standard. There's not a lot of effects or things going on. But I mean, if we were to remove the actual joke, there is a scene where there's like an angel and a devil on someone's shoulders. Mm-hmm. I actually thought it still looked pretty good. That wasn't something that took me out of the movie or aged poorly to the degree that I couldn't get past the effects. Yeah. I don't know. There there were a few scenes, you know, they do all kinds of uh, the end. They have that the float and the parade. Yeah. I thought it all aged actually really well. Um, a lot of practical stunts yep. um, for the people. You know, it's weird because as moviegoers now, we think of stunts like Indiana Jones. Somebody's got to be impossible. Being, yeah. Dragged behind like a car or something. But there's a lot of stunts that go on in this movie where people just fall off of it. True. But somebody's got to do that. floats, ladders. Yeah. Yeah. Horses. You know, some somebody's got to fall off this thing. That's not. Not as easy as it sounds. Good point. 
Very good so, point. So, I, I mean, I found it pretty believable. In terms of soundtrack, this isn't necessarily, I think you and I talked in pre-production, you know, this isn't Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Mm-hmm. The soundtrack is not necessarily that memorable, but it was good. Like, I enjoyed it. Uh, it is a product of its time, as most of these movies are that kind of take place in the real world. You know, they're representing the time they're in. And I, I didn't find the soundtrack to be a detriment at all. We often bring this up. There wasn't really like, I guess, quote unquote, a theme song or anything that kind of sticks with you. No, what it is, is it's a collection of a lot of great kind of 50s and 60s rock. Mm -hmm. They tied it together with some brilliant scenes. If you're flipping the radios or, you know, you're on shuffle on on Spotify and one of these songs comes up, immediately you think of these scenes. I mean, that's a testament to some good writing, some great music selection. You have to wonder, is the scene memorable because of the song or is the song memorable because of the scene? And in some of them, I don't know. Which came first? (laughs) Chicken or the egg? Well, another element of the film worth bringing up is, do you think anyone was... I guess, miscast. Obviously, John Belushi stands out as the uh, star of the film, even though he's not even technically like the main character. No, Bluto's um, very much a secondary character. Right? Like he's not even the main character. I did not find anybody that I thought was necessarily like miscast. Was that something that you came across? Because I felt like, you know, everybody seems to do their role well. Yeah, it is weird watching it now 40 years later and seeing some of these characters and saying, I'm kind of surprised that you didn't go on to be a more recognizable star. Sure. But no, I think you're right. There's no casting issues that really seem to blow your mind. I mean, obviously, John Belushi, like we said, this will most likely go down as his most memorable role. I mean, dude, so the man smashing a guitar on on a, on a stairwell, like that's oh, probably speech, one of my favorite scenes ever. His speech steals the movie. That inspired, pat, impassioned speech is what really brings the whole thing together and really rallies the troops. Right, that's what brings us all to the finale. Yeah, exactly. To that end, let's talk a little bit about the story because this is probably where I have my actual qualms with the film, and that is the story itself. I felt is not all that strong. It feels like a bunch of scenes, then maybe like they get their justice or revenge at the end. It didn't have, I guess, traditional arcs and it doesn't really leave you with any sense of having like some sort of lesson or anything insightful necessarily come your way. It's kind of like, just don't let the assholes get the better of you. (laughs) Yeah, it's really weird. And watching it again, you're totally right. Essentially, it is a 20 minute short film. Really, everything comes together during that sequence with the Dean where they are put on suspension. Right. The rest of the movie leading up to that point is a series of comedic vignettes. Some of them are funny. Some of them aren't incredibly funny. I think part of the reason why the story is so seemingly non-existent is because most characters grow and change and transform. In this film, they say, hey, this is who we are. We're going to just dig our heels in and refuse to change. Yeah, they double down and say like, hey, you know, no one's going to change us. It shows because I, I that was probably the number one thing upon, upon rewatch that stood out to me was the story. Yeah, it's kind of non-existent. These guys are coming in. They want to pledge for a fraternity. They they don't get into whatever it is, the Omegas or mm-hmm. uh, whatever the other fraternity is. They end up coming here. And it was just weird because they nothing really happens. <laughs> they go on their adventures in the life of a Delta. Yeah. And then they and decide to it. crash the parade and to stick it to the Dean. Right. You know, like, and I was like, <laughs> oh, okay, I guess. And it was a fun ride. 
but it wasn't necessarily a story that inspires much in the viewer, I guess. As an audience, we're like, okay, cool. So assholes, you can't let them have the last laugh. Exactly. That's how I, yeah. <laughs> and that's kind of it. That was the moral of the story was just like, don't let them get the last laugh. Because you're right. It's not like they save, redeem themselves and, and save I don't even harder. think the fraternity makes it. I think they're done, right? Yeah. It was just one of those things that when I was watching it when I was younger, I, I hadn't, because even you look at something like old school, right? Which takes a lot of the same plot points and reapplies them. But old school is speaking to these guys as kind of adults. There's a lesson in there that is addressing like, hey, you got to grow up sometime. I think another good example is kind of comparable is Van Wilder. Yeah. Van Wilder is living the Delta life and he decides, hey, you know, partially because the university is forcing him, but he says, okay, now I have to grow up and graduate. Yeah, this sense of adulthood, like, hey, this is always great and we hope everybody that comes through this phase in their life enjoys it, but you got to grow up. That's kind of what the other films are getting at. Animal House, I did not get that vibe. I mean, it kind of feels like they're like, hey, you know, if we could, we would. And <laughs> we would just keep going because it's awesome. And you bring up a good point. College is such a transformative period of your life. Sure. It's weird in the sense that you're an adult, but you're an adult with a pass, right? Yeah, yeah. The pass is exactly. I'm in college. You can, you can make mistakes that would not hold up in the real world because you are in college. College ends and then we become real adults. Most college stories deal with that transition, that growth, going from entering college as a pretend adult to leaving college as a real adult. This movie ignores that very important component of the college experience. Yeah, it stands out. All I'm saying is I could feel it. Is that bad? No, it's not bad. The movie is still funny. It's still entertaining. Even though it plays a bit as a bunch of vignettes, they work. I, like, I enjoyed myself. It's just that I wasn't left with some profound knowledge. The movie has a timeless, enduring quality because of the things we talked about earlier with culture. So, you know, maybe it didn't need it. And maybe I'm being overly critical. Well, and I think the other component that we didn't talk about, which does sort of tie back into the cultural importance of Animal House, is this is really the first major shock comedy, right? Yes. In the 60s, the motion picture code was thrown out, and suddenly filmmakers said, hey, we can put anything we want. Mm -hmm. We can so, show toilets. You know? What are the limits <laughs> that we can push here? And People can fart. <laughs> <laughs> right? When you look at this movie, they are doing the ultimate that they can gross out shock comedy film. They have a dude doing push-ups and dog poop, and they have people puking on people, and they have yeah. people spitting on people because there's zits and there's hand jobs and there's talks about, you know, talking about sex and there's smoking weed and which at the time, I'm sure that this movie was no one had ever seen it. Yeah. Provocative film ever created in history. I mean, I'm sure. pretty sure there's a line where doesn't the demon say something like fucker. Yeah. And you're like, <laughs> Wow. Okay. And so a lot of the story I think is, Hey, how can we cram as much of this controversial stuff into a movie and still get away with it? Well, to that end, they succeeded. <laughs> What's weird is I think for modern audiences now, we have kind of become desensitized to that. As you said, we've seen super bad. We've seen in American pie, old school, Van Wilder, yeah. Harold and Kumar movies that have taken the animal house level and really tried to up the ante. Sure. hangover. No, it's a good point because a few weeks ago we talked about Jaws. You know, one of the components of that discussion was that at one time Jaws scared people out of the water. Mm -hmm. They they literally didn't go in the water. 
as time has gone on, we've seen other movies like Jaws. We've seen people taking it up a notch and all this different stuff. If you were to show people Jaws today, I don't think a lot of people that are actual movie goers, movie watchers, are going to be scared by Jaws to get out of the water. Does that mean it's not a good movie? Of course not. That's We came to the conclusion that it's a great movie as it stands. But the effect it had at that time was pretty crazy. And I think Animal House kind of fits into that box. At that time, all these things were new. They were fresh. No one had seen it. They're pushing the boundaries. They're making people uncomfortable. You know, now you're 45 years later. You're like, I mean, we've seen this stuff. Right. I got to ask you, what's your take? Does it hold up? Does it not? How do you think 30, well, 45 years in this case later, what do you, what's your perception of Animal House watching it again? You know, the number one thing, like I said earlier, that stands out to me from Animal House is its cultural impact. And it's huge. I mean, the movie, it's not often that movies 45 years old, now granted, movies have only been around for like, you know, 130 years or whatever it is, 130, what am I talking about? 110. It's a, it's a small sample size to see how long movies last. For 45 years, this movie gets played every year. And this is a movie that I'm someone who goes to parties. I like to party. You go to parties, you go places. This movie's on the TV in the living room. You know, a perfect example is kind of like a super bad where they're at like some house party and you can imagine a TV being somewhere and they have something on in the background. It's often animal house or like uh Cheech and Chong or, you know, some of these older mm-hmm. things they just put on to have on. And I'm like, animal house still gets played. That really just hit home for me with this. When I look at the movie and I take a look at how has it aged? Did I really enjoy the story? Those elements were a little bit weaker. Mm-hmm. So it was a little bit, of a conflict for me to decide yes or no. Does this movie hold up? And simply because of its influence on college and Greek life, I think I'm going to have to say it does. Okay. Okay. Again, addressing what we talked about top of the episode, a lot of jokes we, we say like, does this movie hold up? There's a lot of stuff in here that doesn't. That's just how we've grown. Its influence is just so big that it's hard for me to ignore it. And I I have to say that, yeah, I think this is a movie that's going to be around. It's not going to end here. You think of John Belushi, it's Animal (laughs) And you can't talk about college. You know, if you're talking with your niece or your nephew or a cousin or whoever about going to college, naturally someone is going to reference some moment in Animal House. It's just the culture we live in. Watching it again, I don't know if it holds up as a movie. Our expectations now for comedy, for jokes, even the gross out factor, right? What Animal House did to gross us out is not the same thing that we get as audiences now. And I just think that for a lot of moviegoers, I don't think it holds up in the same way. If I was to watch it with a teenager now, I don't think that they would find it funny. I don't think that they'd get the jokes. And because they've been spoiled by so many other great comedies, (laughs) which were inspired by Animal House, and you know directors' clear attempts to pay tribute to Animal House, I think that there's just some comedies that have done it better that are worth seeing in its place. No, I get it. I mean, like a scene that comes to mind is in 40 year old virgin when there picks up the the girl at the bachelorette party at the bar and they're going home and she ends up puking all over him. And he's like, did you have shellfish tonight? (laughs) And she's like, yeah. How did you know? He's like, I I can tell, you know, (laughs) they've they've just taken it up a notch. You know, I, I feel that because yeah, unfortunately like I said, my decision lands on its cultural relevance, how impactful it was. But at the end of the day, yeah, as a movie, it's hey, it's a little every, tough. Every Greek meeting that I was in with the university was someone referenced, this can't be an Animal House type situation. So trust me, I get it. The, yeah. the impact still matters to this day. 
and it's relevant. That actually does wrap up this episode. I want to throw it to our listeners. I want to ask you guys, what are your thoughts? Did you love Animal House? Does it hold up? Is it something that you think future generations will love? Be sure to let us know. Comment on our social media posts and on YouTube. Give us your thoughts. Did we, we miss the it. mark? What do you mean? No, I mean, like, I'm asking the audience. Did we miss the mark? Is there some oh. comedic genius or something that we have kind of swept under the rug? Let us know what you think. Exactly. Be sure to follow along. If you haven't, I'm assuming you found the podcast, but if you haven't already, be sure to actually follow us. We're on all the major social media. You can subscribe on YouTube, and then we have the show listed on all the major podcast directories. Be sure to look us up. You can Google us, Filmmakers Compass Podcast. All of our links are on our website. Thank you, everybody, so much for tuning in. We appreciate you guys listening. We hope you enjoyed the discussion. Next week, we're going to be talking about the John Hughes classic, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, 1987. One of the the best comedies ever made lots to talk about you know i love 80s movies, so i can't wait i'm pretty sure i'll be excited <laughs> all right everybody thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next week